1: Welcome into episode 252 of the Sources Say podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. Sources Say is, as always, brought to you by our good friends at Justice Dental. Visit one of their two Lexington locations. It's on Blazer Parkway and Wellington Way by scheduling an appointment online at justicedental.com or by calling 859-543-0700. You can even send a text message to one of their friendly team members at the same number, uh, to ask a question or make an appointment. Now is a great time to schedule your dental cleaning. Dr. Je- Thompson, Dr. Justice, and their team strive to provide you with good oral health and a comfortable environment. The Justice Dental team looks forward to seeing you soon. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio, uh, joining joined by Zach Gagan of Kentucky Sports Radio. Once again, very excited to have you here, uh, unfortunately, on bad circumstances and uh, an unfortunate Situation for Kentucky basketball that uh, unfortunately is not a surprise. We've been talking about this for weeks now on the show that this was a very real possibility. Uh, Zach Gagan, uh, Uganan Yenso, has hit the transfer portal. Welcome to the show. I'm sorry that it's, uh, it's not under better circumstances.
0: Yeah, definitely hit to uh, what everyone was hoping for for next season. Um, I th- we'll obviously dive into it here in a second, but I'm not, I'm of the opinion that I don't think it's nearly as big of a deal as maybe some might make it out to be. Obviously, the handler situation and how it kind of all went down is definitely going to leave a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths, especially with how the whole Shade and Sharp thing played out last year. And it feels like that's now two years in a row where the kind of the exact same thing has happened. So, uh, yeah, a lot to talk about there. I will also note that I am I'm running as producer here today, uh, as Jack. Knows. So, so I've got, we're not going to have any any of these fancy like logo graphics and stuff that Stephen was all doing because I don't know how to do all that stuff and I don't know how to do it while I'm also talking to you. So as much as I can do here is I can just make myself big, or I can make Jack big, or if I want to put someone's uh, baseball season. Look, talking about baseball shirt, sure, we'll throw baseball comments on here. We can do all that stuff today. So, uh, yeah. Who are the handlers? I'd like to know their names, wouldn't we all? We'd like to all go find them and hunt them down. But I'll, I'll, I'll mess with all that stuff while we're going through this. But, Jack, obviously losing Ugana, not ideal for Kentucky. Uh, I'll let you take it away. So um, it's been very
1: complicated. As I've said on this show, hinted on the show, tried to insinuate uh, that it's very complicated Ugana. From the beginning, wanted to be back at Kentucky, and if it were his decision, he would have been back at Kentucky. Not even thought twice about it. There's a reason why in the the locker room in Greensboro, both times before the game and after the game, he addressed with reporters saying, "I'm going to be back next year. I'm excited to replace Oscar Sheavey, Jacob Toppin. Uh, I know this is going to be my team and my front court. I'm, uh, it, you know, I, I'm excited to fill that void that's going to be clearly left uh, with, with those guys leaving." It sounded great on the surface, but that was never the reality because this was never going to be Ugana Onyenso's decision to make. And it's a really crappy reality and one that I said uh, that I'd kind of get into the nuts and bolts after this decision was made, assuming it went the way that I was expecting, unfortunately. And uh, so now here, here we are. We get to talk about the really crappy reality that is uh, guys that are like Ugana Onyenso that are basically being told what to do, where to go, when to play, how they're playing all of those things. Uh, it's in the hands of other people. Um, they have no say in the matter. They have no choice Uganda uh, had all of this stuff, you know, very innocently saying all these things, not knowing that people were speaking on his behalf, talking to people through back channels and other schools and stuff. And that's a, a, kind of the crappy reality of college basketball nowadays. Um, Ugana and his people uh, requested transfer paperwork last Thursday night and Kentucky basically spent the entire weekend trying to um, talk them out of it and try to find new paths to them being happy, whether that be through NIL, whether that be through, you know, what are you expecting with role? There's a reason why Cal went out of his way so often to say, I think he's going to be the best center in college basketball next year. I think that he's going to, you know, we're going to be able to play him alongside Aaron Bradshaw and they compliment each other very well. He, he was saying all of these things, knowing that there was some shady business going on and that it's going to take some persuading um, with people, not outside people outside of Ugana himself. And that's the, just the reality of the beast that is handlers and um, college be the ugly side of college basketball. The Kentucky spent the entire weekend trying to talk NIL and all that, and the demands, unfortunately, were just af- absolutely astronomical and made zero sense for Kentucky, and uh, not something that Kentucky's ever going to stoop stoop to. And we'll get into that after this, but um, it got to the point where Kentucky said, "All right, this this situation is what it is, and uh, we'd love to have you back, but we're not going to meet demands of people um, outside of our inner circle and." Now he has hit the transfer portal and it's now fair game for the schools in the big East that were um, illegally talking to him and the people around him. And to begin with through back channels, now they can legally talk to him. So congratulations to
0: those guys. Yeah. My, th- my thing is, you know, he never really had so too much production. You know, he showed some flashes and stuff throughout his freshman year and, had a couple of uh, decent games against some of the lower tier opponents. I remember he got in the in the game against Michigan, uh, where Hunter Dickinson just kind of, and we'll obviously probably talk about him in a moment, kind of just you know bullied his way through him. Uh, Ghana didn't really do anything. I think in his freshman year to justify some of the you know what to back a lot of or lack of better terms the demands I guess that he was trying or that the handlers were trying to push out there. Um, You know, I I think he's obviously got a lot of strengths and talents, but there's nothing he's really shown. And, you know, I guess you can fault Cal for that for maybe not playing him, but he hasn't shown he didn't really show much or enough to warrant some of the things that maybe he would have thought he deserved. And uh, I think we should also take into account that he reclassified he was supposed to be a 22 kid. So this is technically he's supposed to be going into his freshman year right now. So the fact that some of his handlers, I guess, maybe thought that he was still behind schedule playing you know as the third big at, a, at Kentucky where he was still supposed to be a high school senior so some things just don't kind of add up uh in my mind of, of what they were thinking in that regard uh the handler business is obviously can be some grimy dirty stuff so I don't really want to know exactly what's going on I guess it's probably better if none of us do um but just in general I don't know if there was enough production that we saw from him to even justify any of that stuff and you know from from my perspective I'm not sure that as you said, Kentucky was like, we're not going to go down that path. I wouldn't have even entertained, you know, as long as whatever they or even a quarter of what they were trying to go after, you know, because you just, I don't think he's worth all of that right now. You've got Aaron Bradshaw who coming in, who's probably already better than him, or at least, you know, maybe with the skill set that they're trying to look for at Kentucky and, you know, like what they want to play. So I think there's already pieces that I I think he'll be a guy that they can replace uh, not necessarily easily, but I think you're going to get a guy in the portal that's, Already going to have more proven production. Might not be a guy that has the biggest ceiling as a guy like Ugana, who can probably be like an NBA rim protector. Um, but you're going to have a guy who would will probably you know be a better productive or more productive guy in Uganda's role uh, next year at Kentucky, no matter who you get. So,
1: and I guess I should add, he made six figures this this year legally, the right way. Like Kentucky has done a bang up job at getting these kids money and setting up opportunities. Jacob Toppin being the face of college basketball during March Madness with the, the at t commercial, Chris Livingston getting the beats. You know, yeah, there, there was a layup from Clutch and the, the connection with LeBron and all that stuff, but the the Kentucky platform works and they don't have to stoop to unbelievable ludicrous offers and demands from handlers and agents and guys. I mean, look, and it's not just Ugana. There are other guys on this roster that are dealing with um, that, that Kentucky's dealing with right now with demands that are like, do you understand who you are and what you're talking like who you're talking to? And uh, the being totally frank, the salary that the head coach makes, and you're asking for a a pretty su- substantial portion of that to play one year at, at the University of Kentucky. Kick rocks. Like, no, come on, man. Like, uh, Kentucky has done everything in its power and utilize every resource possible to get money in these kids pockets the right way. You don't need, uh, you know, these, these side agents that are putting out absolutely ridiculous numbers uh, to get, you know, the the Baylor Shireman and, and Nigel Pack and guys like that, that are getting these astronomical deals. Yeah, it works for them. And unfortunately it's kind of the bad there's kind of a worst case scenario for those circumstances because those are really, really good teams already. They kind of sold out to get those last final pieces and they went on runs. So now up and coming agents and guys that are thinking that they're going to cash out on these kids, they're using that example to kind of dangle like a carrot in front of these other schools saying, well, we saw what happened. If you actually pay up for NIL, you're going to go on a run like Creighton did. You're going to go on a run like Miami did. That's all well and good, but that's not real life money. That's not what everybody else is making in the grand scheme of things. There are high profile guys that are that that you would think guys at Duke, guys at Oregon, guys that have you know, big money Nike schools that you would think are making more money than they that they actually are. And it's tens of thousands of dollars. When Kentucky has guys like Ugana Nienso making six figures and Antonio Reeves making six figures this past year, Kentucky is doing a bang up job with with salary with uh, NIL. And for guys like Ugana and the people around him to go in and expect and just basically say, well, forget all of the stuff we've been doing the right way the first time around. Uh, We expect 10 times that and, and, you know, things like that. It's like, come on, man. You are so unbelievably unrealistic. And uh, unfortunately, Kentucky is seeing the um, negative underbelly of college basketball right now. And it's um, it's gross. Just being totally frank, it's, it's gross.
0: Well, and I mean, one of the unintended consequences of being really good at NIL and, you know, kind of being able to offer all these kids all that money is it makes someone like Uganda's camp think that, well, if they're just dishing out money, you know, Uganda's got to go get his. He should be able to get his. If they're, if Cal Perry's going to preach him as this, you know, the second coming of whatever, you know, Willie Collie Stein on the back line or whatever, then you've got to, you know, then obviously Kentucky's going to be willing to pay him and stuff like that. But, You know the reality is is there's really only the top so many percentage of kids that are getting money like that, and you've got to like Antonio Reeves was you know he's he has a chance to make a bunch of money coming back this year, and he was you know one of the better scores that Calipari's ever had, so uh, that's how you get all that type of money is you have to you know just have to be productive, and Kentucky's not going to promise you know all that money to a kid who averaged I don't care what his per forty numbers were because those are garbage, those don't mean anything in the grand scheme of things, because he was playing against terrible competition in the limited roles at the beginning of the season. So that stuff just doesn't translate. Um, but like I've said before, I think you, you can get a guy like, you know, I'll just use Cole Ware as an example, like you can get a guy like him to replace. And that's, in my opinion, that would be better than having you uh, at least for just, if you're doing a one year sample size type deal.
1: Yeah, and it appears that we're getting. I can get my phone's blown up with these like weather alerts right now, saying that we're about to get hit with like seventy mile an hour storms or whatever. So this show yeah. may just crap the bed at any given point. But at this point, you know what?
0: What hasn't hit me yet? So uh, hopefully well, we're we all good to hear in Lexington at least. We'll, we'll make it work. But yeah,
1: Ugana is is not irreplaceable. There there are other guys that you know we we've talked about Kellaway on this show and uh, the value that he would bring, especially that the ceiling, they both have similar ceilings in terms of, you know, they, they contribute differently, but, uh, those are kind of the low production, high potential guys that if you could kind of pry that out of them, uh, and unlock that potential next year, they're both, they're both home run threats, like wherever Ugo goes. And I've heard, as I've said on the show several times, um, biggie schools are interested Yukon um, st John's Georgetown a lot of those schools have been prying and uh, it, you know making it very clear that they're interested without publicly admitting that they're uh, interested going through back channels and, and what have you um, I lost my train of thought completely but but
0: what type of guy is Uganda even gonna be next year you know what type of player is he gonna be like is he in the mold of a guy like uh, uh I'm kind of I think Jamarion Sharp, I believe, is was his name, the kid from WKU who also went to the transfer portal. Like, is that the type of guy that Uga is going to be? Because if so, you know that's that's like a top end player in a mid mid major conference. So you've got, I guess, you gotta you gotta weigh the 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 pro, the possibility that he's not going to be that great. And I I don't know if people want to hear that, but. I think that's a that's part of the thinking too. Is you know how good is this guy actually going to be because they still haven't seen too much. I know you can talk about how good he's been in practice or whatever, how good Cali thinks he's going to be, but uh, at the end of the day, you know they need they're going to need some production from uh, that spot, especially if they do lose Oscar, if Oscar ends up transferring and or not transferring, but going to the NBA, and then you've got uh, Damian Collins end up transferring as well. Like that's why it would be good to have Ugana. Uh, but if you could go out and get a guy like Keloware or even shoot Hunter Dickinson, if we want to take it that route, like that's, that's probably just going to give Kentucky a better chance in the long, in the long run anyways.
1: Yeah. yeah, And I guess uh, that I remembered what the point I was trying to make, just the, the high, high ceiling guys, uh, Ugo is going to go to wherever he wants in the big 10, big East. And, and I think he's going to be productive. We just saw Bryce Hopkins do the exact same thing at, at Providence. And I get that. But if you bring in a guy like Keller Uh, you could probably reap similar rewards there where, you know, you, you got to pry. It's not going to be, you know, it's a, they're both kind of project bigs. uh, But if you go out and get that, I I do think that would work in Kentucky's favor. And I know that they're interested in um, the money is there for Kentucky, like uh, substantially more than he would make it at, uh, he'd make more substantially more at Kentucky than he did at Oregon this past year. So I, I think they have the pitch, ready to go in terms of legal NIL and, and things that would, that would uh, make a lot of sense for him and something that he would like personally. So I, I do think that's one to keep an eye on. And, uh, we're, we're now to that point where Ugo is gone. Damien Collins, there are a couple comments in the, um, in, in our chat asking about if yeah, this changes, awesome. anything, if, if anything changes with Damien Collins with this decision, it is not. Uh, I, uh, there was some speculation and, and, um, that it might be kind of trending in the opposite direction. But I was told this afternoon that nothing has changed. Damien is very, very much likely and expected to hit the transfer portal. Unfortunately, um, his is not a dirty grimy game. His was a just, pretty damn terrible luck and i feel sick for him that he even is in this position but uh he's very much expected to hit the portal so you have those two gone you got to get bodies at this point like you got to go and 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 get some dudes that are going to fill out this roster you can't just rely on lance Ware and and aaron bradshaw to, to be your front court like you got to go get some dudes. And that's why they have uh, set up this meeting with Hunter Dickinson and why they uh, have started these conversations with Keller Ware and other guys in the portal, uh, because it's now, uh, it's now time. You got to start zeroing in on guys and, and, pick, pick your poison in the portal. There are a lot of talent that there's a lot of talent. Do you want up, you know, upside with guys with Khalil, uh, like Kahlil Ware, or if you want current production, you, you know, they're going to come up and come in and put up numbers like Hunter Dickinson. Those guys are now available to you. And, um, that's why they these conversations are ongoing so zach i guess my question for you uh hunter dickinson now in in active conversations with kentucky what do you make of that i have some thoughts about just kind of where things stand there and all that but just from a pure uh talent perspective
0: and a guy that you'd be bringing in what do you we
1: think of that fit potentially
0: i mean if you're just starting from nothing and you're kind of building a team around hunter dickinson you know that's probably not a bad place to start for most college teams. I think most coaches in the country would take that. Um, but and I've, you know, I've talked about this on uh, the KS board before plug. Uh, he's maybe he's, he's, I don't kind know. Of a, he's not like one-to-one similar comparison to Oscar, but he's kind of in a similar mold of like a back to the basket type big. Like I know that Hunter is a better passer. He can stretch the floor a, bit, a little bit more uh he has he's got nice like block stats and stuff but he's not exactly you know you're uh send him out to defend a three or something or put him in the pick and rolls and let him try and uh you know defend that way like he's kind of a similar guy where he's just he's gonna work best where he's kind of roaming around in the middle on both both ends of the floor and i think with what kentucky coming has coming in like they just don't like there's a reason that everyone has kind of come to this conclusion that Oscar is done here at Kentucky because that style of play has kind of run its course here. You know, Cal might prove us all wrong and trot out 2 seven footers next year, you know, to try something like if, if that or whatever he wants to do there. But with Hunter Dickinson, I'm just, I'm not sure that he's a, a ceiling raiser for Kentucky. I get why he's a floor raiser. I certainly understand that because uh, you're probably gonna have a similar type deal with Oscar where, you know, you're gonna be able to win a lot of games, be a really high, you know, high seed team or you know, top five seed or whatever, you know, like they've been the last couple of years. But uh, just that's not that's the basketball is still not trending that way. And it's not going to change just because Hunter Dickinson shot thirty-five percent on one three a game for one season, you know? Like it's gotta be a little bit more than that. I need to see more than that. And I do think he's a much better passer. And that would that would really honestly change things a lot because Oscar was, as we saw, like just he did get a little bit better as you year on but he was just not good at that area and that'll help things a lot but if you got guys like dj and justin and you know these these freshmen that want to come in and they want to have an open lane and get in there and, and try and you know slice right through like we've seen dj just time and time again do whatever he can to get to the rim it's gonna be a hell of a lot harder when you know when he's been doing that in high school he's been having aaron bratch out there who can sit on the wing and kind of wait for a three Hunter Dickinson is not going to be doing that nearly as often. He's going to be wanting to kind of plant himself inside, maybe do the face-up jumpers. Um, He's just not a guy that you can rely on to hit three or four threes a game and really, really stretch the floor like you need. Uh, I do think that if you bring in Hunter, the team's still going to be really good. Kentucky would be you know, probably one of the two or three best teams in the SEC, and he'd probably be an all-SEC type performer. Uh, But I think you're going to run into the exact same thing that we've seen the last two years where teams could just – pinpoint him, exploit him a little bit too much for maybe any, for anyone's comfort and it's going to get exposed in the tournament as it has the last two years um, so I don't think he raises I think he raises the offensive uh, seal, or floor uh, I don't really think he raises the defensive floor and I don't think he does anything for the ceiling on either end
1: Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th While we're talking about skill sets, a quick message from our friends at MyPerfectFranchise.net and Andy Ludicky, a franchise consulting company that helps others find franchises that will fit their needs, skill sets, investment requirements, and time commitment constraints. You might have seen Andy's name on KSR before as he sponsors some of our recruiting coverage. Andy's is super nice, great to chat with, and we are very excited to continue our partnership with him uh, Andy is an experience, experienced entrepreneur and has been helping others go through the same process that changed his life 10 plus years ago. If you are wanting to find a way out of corporate America or a way to diversify, please reach out to Andy as he's got a ton of knowledge in this world. And best of all, his services are 100% free to you. Always nothing venture, nothing gain. You can learn more and contact Andy anytime at www.myperfectfranchise.net or email him at andy@myperfectfranchise.net. At Uh, I guess I will say um, talking early conversations with Kentucky and uh, how those are going and how they kind of came about. So the initial word that I actually got from Kentucky when Hunter first hit the portal was, quote, hell no uh, on (laughs) Hunter. Um, So I didn't even really register this as a real option for Kentucky. Um, And then I think a lot of that had to do with um Kentucky Cal doesn't like being the first school associated with any kid like he doesn't like to be the oh well that kid's a guaranteed lock to Kentucky you know he he likes to work in silence and kind of zero in on guys because you know from his own personal leverage standpoint uh, you don't want to get involved with uh, you, you know this guy is a guaranteed lock to go to Kentucky so guys kind of recruiting against Cal and things like that you kind of want to work underneath and and just let things happen organically. I think that's kind of what's been happening with Kell-El Ware. There's a reason why all of the lists that he's been putting out, he hasn't been including Kentucky. I think there's a reason for that. Um, But Hunter was kind of a a similar situation, but they kind of just connected the dots. He visited Kentucky back in high school, took an unofficial there, which unofficial, you got to be pretty interested in in a school to pay your own way to go there. So uh, he likes Kentucky, um, but they're, I guess – just talking to people today, there's, I guess, there's just cons- some concern about this just being a leverage move for him uh, to drum up more NIL money elsewhere, whether that be a Maryland, who just hired uh, his former high school coach, uh, connections to the DMV where he's from. Uh, there's a lot of buzz about Maryland right now. And there's some people that know way more than me about all this that believe that Kentucky has kind of been thrown in the mix. Uh, In a way to say, well, Kentucky is offering, but more so saying we were able to get X number of dollars for this guy this past year. So you could, in an ideal world, make similar money uh, with NIL with us this year. Those kind of conversations to go back to Maryland and other schools that are recruiting him, Georgetown, guys like that, uh, and say, well, this is what we're going to get from Kentucky. What do you got for us? So there's some concern about that and, and the connection there. There's also a connection with Duke. He wanted to be at Duke out of high school. That was kind of his dream school, the the place that he really wanted to be. Uh, Duke picked Mark Williams back uh, at that time. And I I think there's some talk that now they could kind of, you know, Duke's going to be looking for a a big front court piece. And uh, he's clearly fits that mold and uh, would definitely fit at Duke, I think, just maybe stereotypically, just who Hunter Dickinson looks like and what he is as a, you know, just the type, style of play and all that. I, I see the fit completely. I, I see the fit completely. Um, but there's some some Duke buzz kind of brewing a little bit uh, with Maryland has been there for a minute now. Uh, so I guess it's kind of the risk reward. Do you want to push all your chips in on on Hunter Dickinson, knowing that it could just be a leverage move? Are they just going to use these conversations and go straight to another school and say, "Well, up your offer"? Uh, that's the um, that's the the confusion right now, and and the what Kentucky's dealing with. There's a lot of talk about Duke right now. I will I, I will put that out there, but Kentucky is going to uh, cautiously move forward with him and see, just see how the conversation goes because it's worth the phone call, I think.
0: Well, so tell me, if can you tell me more about that first unofficial visit? I guess that would have been what, four years ago now? You know, like was was he obviously if you if you pay your way to go, you have some interest. But you know, was he was Kentucky seriously looking at him? Was like how how serious was it back then?
1: Uh, it never. Kentucky was one of the early schools that um, you know he liked Kentucky a lot. Duke was kind of the school that he really wanted to go to, but Kentucky was you know the blue blood. He wanted to be part of the blue blood experience, and uh, he saw the fit. I can't remember in that same recruiting class who they decided to go after instead and who they signed at the center position. If it's it was, 19, the, I think was it 19,
0: the 19 class. So that would be God, dude. Put uh, me on one the spot. year. The <laughs> team before the COVID year. So that would have been like EJ Montgomery, maybe.
1: <laughs> was it that far? Was it that long ago? No, I don't know.
0: I can look it up real quick. If you want to riff for a second. Yeah, I can do that. Uh, yeah. So there
1: there's interest there, but they're also keeping, you know, making, making sure it's clear that they're cautiously moving forward with this. They like, um, they like him and they, they like the game. They didn't like being immediately associated with Kentucky for prior connection. So I think they kind of wanted to distance themselves before kind of slowly circling back with them. Um, so it's not out of the realm of possibility. The conversation did happen, but they're not going to get burned on this. I guess that they, they understand that the buzz of leverage is out there, and they are not—they're uh, not going to get burned
0: with this. So uh, I it was would a definitely. class, By the way, it was the twenty twenty class. Twenty twenty. So I guess that would have been Isaiah Jackson, right? Hmm. Yeah, Isaiah Jackson and Lance Ware were Kentucky's bigs from that class. But Isaiah, Isaiah Jackson, Jackson yeah. Year. Isaiah Jackson was pretty good, so
1: he was. That ended up being a win. Anyway, we're, we're I mean that won't be why, you know, one unofficial visit back in 2019, 2020 isn't gonna be the reason why he ends up here now. But mm-hmm. there there are prior connections and and you know it does um, it does add up. So I, I I'm not wanting to go all in with Hunter knowing that they are not going all in on on Hunter yet. We'll see. It's kind of a wait and see game with them. But it's not wait and see in terms of you got to go get somebody. Like at least these conversations are starting. Like I it doesn't have to be Hunter. A lot of people, you know, guys guys that know basketball infinitely more than me believe that Hunter Dickinson at Kentucky is a great fit and think that he would work well alongside what Kentucky already has coming in. And um, they kind of like the the finesse back and forth between Aaron Bradshaw and, and Hunter Dickinson. So I trust their word. I am not a huge fan of it, but uh, there are other people that know way more than me that that do love the fit. So I don't know. We'll see. I, I, I am much more intrigued by Kellell where if you can unlock that potential there, that's the one that – I think you
0: could really hit a home run on alongside Aaron Bradshaw. I think there's just a lot of just bad taste from the postseason, lack of success over the last two years where you've had where your best player is kind of a a big guy center who for more or less kind of likes to plant himself near or around the basket type. I think that's just where, at least for me personally, that's where my hesitation with, with picking Hunter. And like I said, I, I've said multiple times already that I think he's a better passer and shooter. And I think that if Oscar was a better passer, I think Kentucky's offense is just infinitely more smooth and just works better uh, because so many double teams get, you know, if you face 15, 20 double teams a game, you got to know how to be able to pass the ball out of there. And Hunter Dickinson does. And that just opens things up for everyone else. So I do see a world where uh, it obviously fits. But I think the defensive end is where Kentucky needs to get back to being absolutely. You know, that's where they need to be. The Cal, the early Cal teams where they're just one of the better defensive teams in the entire country, and I don't think Hunter Dickinson helps you with that at all. And that's my
1: concern because on paper, DJ Wagner, he's a dog. You know, he, he's going to get after you defensively. He's going to guard you 94 feet, but he's not a true on-ball specialist. Like, he's he's going to get beat off the dribble. Like, he's going to have his, his concerns in that regard. Justin Edwards is a great off-ball defender. He's kind of like in that Casein Wallace mold, where everybody loves be you know, because he gets the highlights, he gets the deflections, he gets, uh, you know, transition buckets the other way because of steals that he initiates and gets the the chase down blocks and all the the highlight real stuff. But he did get exposed at times, and I think a big part of it was because of the injuries and the just wear and tear on his body. But he kind of got exposed a little bit as an on-ball defender. Very similar complaints about Justin Edwards that he'll get beat off the dribble, but he's gonna make up for it with you know the highlight deflections and the the transition stealing scores and all Reed. those. So, so that's you know, Reed Shepard kind of got exposed in the same way at McDonald's game. Not great on ball and will get beat off the dribble, but he's gonna get some deflections. He's gonna get some blocks and some steals and, and all that. So there's I have my gripes about Aaron Bradshaw. I know that's like literally the thing that in Cal's uh, press release when they signed Aaron Bradshaw, he said he has all of the physical tools of an elite rim protector. I disagree. I mean, he has the physical tools, but the timing and the the body mechanics to be that. I don't. I think he struggles in that regard. Uh, I think he swipes and flails his arm a little bit. Just really doesn't have great body control to be a, a truly polished elite rim protector. Point being, we're going through all these guys. Kentucky doesn't have that guy. You gotta, you gotta get a surefire home run defender in the portal, and that's clearly not Hunter Dickinson. It could be potentially with with Keller Ware. It could be potentially, but Hunter Dickinson is the anti version of that, and you're act you're actively killing the floor of this team long term on that end of the floor, especially if you kind of zero in on Hunter and say, "All right, that's our guy." So. At, you got to go get a home run and at least perimeter defender, you got to have one lockdown guy, whether it's the the elite rim specialist or the uh, on-ball defender, because
0: that guy does not exist on the roster right now. Yeah. And that, if you're sticking to that note, you know, you got to have someone like Antonio Reese has to just get better at defense in general. And then, uh, you know, if they do bring in another guard, you've got to get, a guy who's probably a little bit taller than someone like DJ and Rob, cause they're both about six, one, six, two, a little bit undersized. Oh, for, Don't even get me started you know, on Rob. <laughs> yeah. Ex- especially the yeah, on the defeat on the defensive end there. So they're going to need to just, I think that's really where the portal is where they're going to have to stack up is try and get, you know, a, a solid solid wing defender that can maybe uh, work alongside Justin or help out with some of the guards. Because like you said, Rob and DJ are the same boat where, they're not they're just they're gonna struggle to guard bigger guards. Uh and one I think what honestly, I think one of DJ's strengths on offense is the fact that he's you know so strong without looking strong, like he's just able capable of doing that. Uh, I don't know how that'll translate against college level guards on defense, like if he can still be that big gritty guy who can like, you know, push him back, the dog, if you will. Uh so that's why if you are going to run with guys like DJ and Rob, you need a really, really good rim protector because there's going to be, you know, you need the fail safe or whatever, where, you know, the break in case of emergency type guy, like like Justin Edwards is probably going to get beat, but he's also going to be good enough to recover and still get there. Uh, but unless Aaron is going to be, you know, they're like deterring guys to, to the point where opposing teams don't even really want to shoot or get close to the rim, like that's, that's going to complicate things uh, out on the, uh, on the perimeter there. So yeah, it was, I, it's now, now that I'm saying it, it feels like there's a lot more needs in the portal than that Kentucky needs than I maybe initially thought, because uh, I feel like they probably need at least three pieces in the portal, uh, especially with just some of the departures coming. But, and I think a lot of it depends too on, you know, how much people think Reed's going to play. I don't think Reed's going to play that much, honestly, as freshman year still, even like in the eight to 10 minute range or whatever. So he's not really someone I'm going to count on to, to be that guy. And like you said, he's good team defender. Uh, He's like a good connector on that end. But uh, in terms of on-ball defense, he will, you know, if there's like some junior SEC point guard, that's against him, you know, like in the middle of January, that kid's going to torch Reed every single time. So
1: uh, Clark Townsend says people think because Maryland hired Dickinson's high school coach as an assistant, he is going there. That isn't true. Maryland insiders say there is no package deal. Jones wasn't hired to get Hunter. Didn't Louisville say the exact same thing when they hired Milt Wagner? That <laughs> that was oh well, it's just because he's a legacy guy. I'm here to tell you that it is undoubtedly a move to at least put yourself in position to get Hunter Dickinson. I. I don't know what to tell you, but yes, it it absolutely is at least part of the reason why he got that job is to, he's a hell of a, he's a bang up recruiter. Like he's very good at his job and he's deserving of it, but the timing of it and how it all unfolded the way it unfolded, it is absolutely a way to at least put yourself in, uh, in position to land a guy like Hunter Dickinson. I am, I don't know what to tell you if you
0: believe otherwise they can say whatever they want, but yeah, it's if, av- if you're Ed av- Cooley, if you're Ed Cooley too at Georgetown, I think you got to say let's you got to try and go in on all like you got to get all scrape all your NIL money together and you got to throw everything you can at that kid uh cuz he's not going to get Oscar money at UK. Like they're just not they're not going to give him anything close to that or if they would I think that would be kind of ridiculous because Oscar Oscar got his money really on the relationship he built with the fans over the the year and a half before <laughs> then. Hunter Dickinson had a whole thing with Lance Ware on Twitter, you know, before where he was like, "Oh, you're, I think it was Lance Ware, right?" Where he was like, "Oh, Cal's ducking us for yes because they had to move the Michigan gamers. I think it was with Lance that he was uh, tweeting about it about. So, uh, you know, like he's just not going to get the money here that he would. I think Georgetown's a place that could pull it all together, especially with all their boosters probably being pissed about how poorly they've been for the last decade. Uh, if you want to go make a splash, you go get Hunter Dickinson. So I think there's going to be just a lot more teams out there that would be willing to pay more than Kentucky would for a guy like him. If we're talking NIL money. Yeah. So it, it will be
1: very interesting um, in terms of any other decision updates, not any. Um, I guess since the last time we did the show, Antonio Reeves officially put his name uh, in the NBA draft. Everything that we've said and and was to be expected, no, no shock there. What are you hoping to, or I guess expecting to hear from um, the the feedback that Reese is going to get going through that process?
0: Yeah, I think we we kind of touched on it on the last one, the last uh, source of say I was on. I don't think he he'll, he'll get what he's looking for. Uh, you know, I think he could easily like find his way into the G League and just play his way through there, but uh, he'd make more money uh, in NIL at Kentucky. And if he can come back and do what Emmanuel quickly did and just become more sound on defense and just round out his game overall, I think there's absolutely a spot for him in the NBA at the next level. Like I think Jacob Toppin has a much better chance of sneaking his way into the second round for a multitude of factors uh, that just Reeds doesn't really have. And like, you know, just even having a brother in the NBA, like Obi, like people might th- not think that matters, but it does because there's name recognition there. And like Jacob has, you know, he's got multiple years at kentucky he's got uh, the frame the size the body to like that just impress the scouts he's a really good personality like people like to be around him he's very open about himself he'll tell you how he feels what he wants and like nba teams take all that stuff into account and not to Reeves' fault but he's just a little bit more quiet guy uh you Absolutely. know it's different from being at illinois state for 3 years and then come to kentucky he's obviously still trying to figure out how to play at a high level like this uh and that's why i think it's it's definitely just I would get I would assume that the reason Reese did that was almost 90 95% just to say how do I put myself in position to be a second round pick next year? What do I need to do to do that? You all you NBA personnel tell me what I need to do and then I'll come back to Kentucky and I'll do it. I think that would be more or less what they would try and or if I was Reese, I think that's probably what I would try and do. Obviously I'm not and I'm not nearly as good of a basketball player. Uh so I don't I don't know. That that's that's just how I've I would uh see the Ra- the Reeves situation try- uh, playing out. Uh, and I will say, and, and I've said
1: this uh, on here before Reeves wants to go pro. Like if, if the right opportunity presented itself for him, um, that's his goal. I mean, he's 22 years old. He's been in college for years. Um, if, if a team offered him a two way contract, he would go, it, it just would make, it wouldn't make any financial sense for him. Um, to explore that option, knowing that there are 300 people fighting for 58 spots and Reeves doesn't, you know, he he's an elite scorer and, and microwave scorer, And then those guys have made it in the league, blue Williams, Jamal Crawford, you know, those types of dynamic scorers off the bench. Uh, th- there is a blueprint for a guy like Antonio Reeves to make it, but
0: and the NBA it, loves it. those type of guys too. They love yeah. guys like Reeves who can just go up and down the court. They have no hesitation. They just want to shoot as much as they want. They don't care if they go one for fifteen in a big game. Like they just want them to keep shooting and keep shooting. And that's what Reeves does uh, to his credit. And he still had really good. Like he's got shooting splits that the NBA guys will love. But it's just kind of all mm-hmm. the other stuff I think that will drag him down.
1: Yeah, there wasn't a single person I talked to down at McDonald's the NBA scouts were, I mean, lining the gym and not a single one that I talked to even discussed the possibility of him being drafted as realistic or even I mean, even when two way contract was discussed, I mean, they were like, you know, there are so many other guys out there that are NBA ready that we're going to be offering those guys and not think twice about over a guy like Antonio Reeves, who does really, really good things at this level. And, um, you know, and that's not to go against it, because I do think that there is an NBA future for him. He's got to lock in defensively. He has to show more growth in that area. Um, And, you know, consistency is the name of the game. He he stepped in and thrived in his role this season at Kentucky. But there's there's a lot more that goes into it. And it's going to be – it's, I think – one more year. It sucks that he's 22 years old, and I know uh, he'd like to get things started right now. But it would make so much sense for him financially, in terms of development, and who he could be as a basketball player and branding. I mean, goodness, if 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 he comes back and is the face of it, one of the faces of the team, he, like he came back, he came in this year from Illinois State, not even remotely close to being a face of the program, and kind of built his way into being that by year's end. Imagine a full offseason of that, a full you know, preseason, all that stuff with NIL, he's going to make a fortune. Uh, I think it just make no sense for him financially, unless he's just dying to get the hell out of here and go pro. Uh, It it would just not be financially beneficial for him to
0: go. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Uh, I had a point, another point I wanted to make about Reeves, but I kind of forgot about it. So unless it comes back up, my kitten's playing around here. <laughs> so so yeah, I I don't think anything has changed. I still think Kentucky feels really good about that chance. Um, the uh, I guess the my thing is like uh, he's 22, which I get. You know, you want to try and get in the NBA as, as as fast as possible at that point. But you know, for him, for a guy like him, the difference between being 22 and 23 going to the NBA really isn't that big of a deal. I think you're already think old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's it's a it's a difference if it's like you're 18 or 19 versus 21, 22, 23. Like that's when, like if you're already been in the league or in college, this song, like the kid was at Illinois straight for three years. Did he really think that he was going to come Kentucky and then the next year he was going to be an NBA draft pick? I honestly, I mean, maybe in the back of his mind, he maybe thought about it a little bit, but it's not like the kid was on, you know, draft boards uh, after his junior year at Il- or Illinois state. So yeah, that's a whole different point there, I guess, but yeah,
1: we'll see. I don't think anything is changed in that regard. The process is just getting started with him, and um, NBA scouts expect him to uh, receive feedback that indicates that he needs to go to go back to Kentucky, and that'd be huge. You, you got to get that back. Uh, nothing has changed with Livingston. Uh, I was told that the expectation is for Oscar to test the waters this week at some point. That's going to come out. Um, I know I brought up the possibility of him. Uh, hitting the transfer portal, Kentucky remains very skeptical that that ever happens. But uh, I am here to tell you that it has been discussed on Oscar's side, and not Oscar spe- specifically, but those around him that are, you know, trying to, you know, understanding that he's a superstar, celebrity status guy at the college basketball level, and understand that if there was one guy in at, in this sport that could cash out with NIL at a different school. It's Oscar Shiboy. I mean, he's a national player of the year. He's a great personality, has, you know, checks all of the boxes that you're looking for to, for a face of your program. Uh, there would be suitors for him and people would be willing to offer him a lot of money. So it has been discussed, but Oscar wants to go pro and Kentucky expects him to go pro. And that's my personal expectation as well. But I just, you know, making it clear that as we just saw with Ugananya, and so sometimes when outside voices, get inside uh that it, that things get complicated but the expectation is that that Oscar goes pro and uh, all of these things being being said you got to go get bodies w- with big sure. man like i mean th- we are now at like uh, not danger zone but to the point where it's like all right you got to get somebody like you can't let other big name kentucky level talents will hit the portal but you can't just miss all of them you don't have to make them all but you can't miss them all, Zach. You can't miss them all. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, uh, that's, that's a good point. So, yeah. Uh, and, uh, Travis Henderson, uh, Henderson says, is is Dillingham going to be eligible to play? Uh, Kentucky still says that he's going to be eligible. And, and I will say, because we didn't get to address this last time, I got a text yesterday morning from somebody that worked out with him uh, at OTE two nights ago, I guess. So, I mean, what? wednesday monday. monday night they worked out with him um so that he looked amazing i like, said that he was in shape that he looked good he was knocking down shots um you know there's a lot of speculation about how often he's in the gym and what his work ethic looks like and those sorts of things um there's a chart in the overtime elite um gym that indicates who has been in the gym it's like a an accountability board if you will where the top of the list it's like uh Amen Thompson, top five draft pick, has taken 5,000 jump shots this week. His brother, Asar, has taken 4,700 jump shots. And then you go down the list, and it's everybody. I mean, just hundreds upon hundreds, thousands upon thousands. And then at the very bottom of the list was Rob Dillingham. Zero. Next to his name. It's not a good look. But it is a good thing to hear that He is in the gym and people have actually seen him in there and and, uh, Kentucky's confident that they're excited about the chance to mold him kind of the piece of clay that is Rob Dillingham into what could be an absolute dynamite basketball player. I mean, in, in, in terms of entertainment and value, you know, all of the, the offensive values that you bring, the, the quickness, the shiftiness, the, um, the the way he just kind of has the ball on a string Uh, unbelievable in that regard as a playmaker and just, surefire entertainer like he's he has the makings of a college basketball star in the quote that i got from the guy that was working out with him that said that he has a chance to be the best of all of kentucky's recruits just because the upside is just so unbelievably high but kentucky's you know there's stuff to work with there and and it's going to be a process and we've addressed those head-on and kentucky remains confident so uh, until that changes on, on their end Um, over time, still saying all the right things and all that Uh, national basketball people that I trust uh, remain skeptical and have their concerns, but um, still nothing of substance to say, well, there's no chance that he's going to make it on campus or we should just stop assuming he's going to make it. Like uh, it's okay to kind of be cautiously optimistic and, and have your concerns while still being excited, I guess, is the best way to put it. Because I personally
0: is am very excited for the Rob Dillingham uh, experience.
1: And yeah, I know you are. Going,
0: yeah, it's it's certainly going to be experience. Uh, and, like, I mean, obviously, if he if he uh, gets to Kentucky, I'm going to be cheering for him and hoping he does his best and all that. And, like, I think if, if you're a Kentucky fan trying to figure out, you know, what exactly you might be getting, go watch Jordan Poole play for the Warriors. Yeah. And you will see they're, pretty they're much a, a guy who just wants to shoot everything uh he's gonna take a lot of bad shots. He's gonna have a uh, he's I don't know if attitude is the right word, but he's got a personality swagger. to him. Yeah, got swagger. some swagger to him. That, that's a good way to put it. He's got a lot of swagger to him. He's gonna talk uh, a lot of crap and he's gonna go up and down the court. And he's gonna take some really tough shots, uh, do a lot of weird kind of doatsy do type spin moves that might not seem like they're really going anywhere. But he's going to make highlight plays and he's going to score buckets, like just loads of buckets if he does get to Kentucky. Uh, so I think that, obviously, you wanted to get here, I think, uh, if you're Kentucky, especially because you just mentioned the, the lack of bodies thing, like, you're almost getting to the point where you can't you can't afford to lose any of these freshmen, because uh, then you're that's just another hole you've got to fill in the portal, uh, and I'd almost rather just have Robert Dillingham and, and DJ and let Cal try and figure those guys out, as opposed to some third-year, you know, OVC guard or whatever the, the case may be there, so... Let's, there's always going to be a, a Rob Dillingham conversation, that's for sure.
1: I'm very excited. Um, I believe uh, our first chance to see him at Kentucky will be in July, this trip to Toronto. I got a DM that, let, let me read this on there. I actually didn't get the chance to um, read as it was happening, but I, I think it's pretty interesting. Um Hi, Jack. You're probably aware that the UK men's team is playing in Toronto this summer. In case you may not be aware of the schedule for the UK games, the Cats are playing against Germany on July 12th, Canada on July 13th, and Africa on July 15th. If the Cats do well, they would play in the championship game on July 17th. The games are being played inside of the building that that, uh, used to be the Maple Leafs Garden, which is now being converted by a local university into a small arena uh, and other uses. The ticket prices are pretty good considering... um, I I don't know what that means, but yeah. So I guess we're looking for a mid-July trip to Toronto. What are you excited for to see uh, with that one? Seeing the Cats, um, Cats, and start their exhibition tour against real competition this year.
0: Uh, The exact same thing that I was uh, for the Bahamas. I'm just excited to watch them put it all together, and I hope that they honestly. I'd, I'd much rather them, you know, build up the hopes again and and have you know, maybe struggle out of the gate of the regular season as opposed to just sucking wind at this summer event. So I really hope that everything goes well. You know, it'll be a, a great chance to really finally watch all these kids play together. I think you'll be able to see, you know, I think Cal will let Reed get a lot of run. Uh, we'll be able to see a Duke, the Uh That's a guy I'm really going to be interested to see uh, how what he develops and how he progresses between, gosh, I guess it'll only be three or four months at that point between the end of the season I mean, and whenever this happens. I mean, so that's that's the, I mean that's July.
1: I mean that's July. I mean we're we're 3 months away from that right now. Kids yeah. I think the players arrive on campus um mid to late May. So mm. I mean we're talking a month and a half of them being on campus but also a month and a half from that point to them playing actual real life basketball games where look Kentucky will lose games in that event. Like even even if in a best case scenario where Kentucky it looks way better than we expect them to. This is a tough, tough event
0: that yeah, Baylor. This isn't, lost yeah, to. this isn't the best college team in Canada they're playing, or whatever they whatever that one team tried to pretend themselves as.
1: Yeah, no, this is it's it's going to be some real competition this year where it's it's you know guys actually competing, not forty five year old hungover guys uh, that have been at the craps table all night long the night before. Like this is a real competition and Kentucky will lose games. And it's, it's a good thing that Kentucky is going to lose games. They're not going to learn anything by beating uh, every team they play by 50 points. This is exactly what, uh, what Kentucky needs. I'm really looking forward to that. Rob Dillingham, especially like, man, it's going to be a blast to just be able to see what he is, see him in a Kentucky uniform. And, you know, for the fans embrace him, like just make it very clear to him that he is needed on this team and he's wanted and and everybody's excited to see him because it's going to be a blast to watch him play. So he's that's a guy that I'm personally excited about. And uh, I know BBN will be as well. So I think they haven't announced any of the details that that random DM that I got was the first like actual official outside of like, Hey, this is our plans. We're going to be going to Toronto at some point. Can't wait to see you there. Like that's all I've had up to this point um and then chin Coleman slip up on radio where he was clearly not supposed to say anything about it and then just publicly like literally five minutes after cal said yeah we're not going to release any details yet those are going to come out later and Chin, like five minutes later was like hell yeah we're going to t- toronto you b- you booked your flight yet <laughs> that was a whole experience in itself but uh, That's so this was the first thing, the first real it? update i've gotten on that since then so uh looks like july 12th 13th 15th and then 17th would be the championship game so Okay. Uh, if you want to book your tickets, by all means go on no. and do that. So um I don't believe um there any other guys that Kentucky has reached out to or anything that that jump out to you that we need to address. I don't believe so, but
0: any yeah, last, I mean,
1: last thoughts you got?
0: You know, there's a I mean there's a bunch of you know guards that they've had you know contact um, with or whatever you want to say. Big fan of Dalton Necht, like big
1: fan of him. Uh, I know Kentucky yeah. has talked to him and um, have felt him out about what his expectations are. And uh, I was told that he's going to take a minute to, to decide on what his plans are and where, uh, you know, what, what's next for him. He's and he's not going to be one of those dudes that commit tomorrow or anything. So um, he's a guy that probably more so like Chris Livingston, CJ Frederick insurance, more so than Antonio Reeves insurance. Uh, but that's definitely a guy that on my personal wish wish list that I would love. Uh, I think he's a great fit and and would definitely be kind of a plug and play guy for the Cats. So um, that that big, big fan of him. Is there anybody else in the portal that you'd like to see Kentucky go all, go all in on
0: Uh, kind of like the LJ crier kid from Baylor. It doesn't, I don't think Kentucky's kind of poked around or at least the initial, they haven't done so much so far, but he was a guy that I kind of liked uh, when I saw his name go in there. So, um, but honestly, not 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 too much right now. I haven't done a deep dive, I guess, is what I should say. But uh, the the Dalton kid and LJ Cryer, those are two that I've noticed immediately and really like the stats and what they put up and just highlight tapes and stuff. So,
1: well, we will see. The uh, process is is ramping up. No matter what, like m- now is the time. We officially have our first like sit down meeting with somebody. We've had like Ooh, uh, reaching dude. out, getting contact, all that. We're But we're here. We're we're finally getting into the nuts and bolts of uh, of the transfer portal. And I know we're all looking forward to it. So we'll be uh, pumping out these shows. However, often we just decided to do this one on a a whim, on a shoot random Wednesday afternoon and and. Talked, rambled for a for an hour. So appreciate uh, all of uh, our li- listeners and comments. I think we gave like a two minute heads up that we were actually doing this show. So appreciate everybody jumping in. At, I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of comments. So appreciate you guys as always. The feedback on the show has been awesome lately, and uh, appreciate the continued support. Zach, uh, we'll be back. Uh, I guess whenever the next big piece of news drops, we'll we'll be doing this regularly. So uh, maybe an hour. Yeah, be, be prepared for uh, spur of the moment tweets and uh, um, live shows on this YouTube page because it, it will be coming as news comes. So, appreciate, Zach, you joining me on short notice. Let's go on and get out here. Where can fans find your work?
0: As always, they can find me at Kentucky Sports Radio. Uh, they can also find me on Twitter at ZGaganKSR. Gagan is G E O G H E G A N. That is the triple G, not the fighter. G? G? Is that a G? I
1: think. Yeah. G. Anyway. Sure. G. Right? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Find me on Twitter as well at Jack Pilgrim, KSR. Reach out to me via email, Pilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. With that will be back next time for the Jam Pack Swords Safe uh, podcast. Hopefully, more optimistic and uh, happy things to talk about. We will see you then. We have today. To be-